One of the best things about the internet is the opportunity it provides to discover great photographers, both amateur and professional. But with so many hundreds of thousands of photographers on the web, the new challenge is sorting through all the images and websites, trying to find those exceptional bodies of work. That's why blogs such as Dodge and Burn, created by today's guest Keanu Mestrich, is so invaluable. Focusing on the work of photographers of color from all over the world, Kiana uses her blog to share her passion for photography by showcasing the works of others. A devoted photographer herself, she demonstrates how important it is to promote the works of others as a way of nurturing your own passion for photography. Okiana, well, welcome to the Candid Frame. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I've, I've been a real fan of your blog, which is how I, I found you. But why don't you tell our uh, tell us about Dodge and Burn, how you created it, and, and what role does it serve in the world of photography? Well, the, let me just start off by saying the feeling is mutual. I've been a fan of um, the Candid Frame for a couple of years now, probably more. So I'm delighted that I'm that you've asked me to be on the show, but um. Dodge and Burn is a blog that I started um, a little over five years ago, um, and it was sort of at a point in my life where I was working within the internet and web uh, media, and I also was still sort of trying to sustain a photography practice, um, but, you know, with working full-time, it was difficult for me, um, and I kind of also wanted to sort of get back into the education of photography and learning more about photography history, so... Um, I just decided to sort of combine my love for photography with my sort of professional skills within the web um, to create a blog. It sort of just sprung from there. It sort of started off as sort of a, a personal place for me to put up some work. Um, and then I, you know, I realized that I wanted to learn more about other photographers of color. And also I sort of harkened back to my days in college where I had a one-on-one -on -one, uh session with my professor and uh, my photography professor and I'd ask him if we were going to learn about any photographers of color and he sort of blurted out two names, Laura Simpson, Carrie Mae Weems and, and sort of set me on my merry way and so I was always sort of left disappointed that we never addressed it in class but I always sort of had this desire to learn about photographers of color and, and this for me was a great platform for that. When you started the blog, were there no other resources that uh, you could find that uh, sort of reflected the diversity of the work that, that that's out there? There were none that I found that were publishing on a consistent basis. You know, I did know of Enfocal at the time, which is a great organization here in New York in the Bronx, and they had been around at that point probably, you know, 25 plus years, but there was no sort of consistent publication. I, I, was, a, I'm, I was and I still am an avid subscriber to Photo District News. I would also sort of look out for photographers of color there and, and was never really satisfied with the coverage um, that I would see. So it wasn't anything that I knew that was consistently covering this demographic. I noticed in reading some of the interviews that you have up there that sometimes you would find these people through the social networks like Twitter and, and Flickr. Yeah. Tell us about, you know, finding these people or these people finding you, because I think sort of one of the challenges that exists out there with so many millions of people online posting photographs right. and trying to find just interesting imagery, much less anything that's 
you know, focused to any one ethnic group or culture is a daunting task. Yes. Well, I got on Twitter probably around late 2007, and um, I immediately started uh, looking for other photographers who were on Twitter. And I think photographers were probably part of sort of the early adopters of Twitter. That's how I found a few of my early interviews. And then, I, you know, on Facebook, uh, I found a few on Facebook, but mostly on Twitter, I would say, more than anything else. Um, but it, yeah, it's just, for me also, it was just a matter of surfing the web as well, doing a lot of Google searches under different keyword types and, and just really sort of going from link to link until I would find people that I really sort of love their work. So what were some of the surprises that you found in terms of, you know, these efforts to go out and try to find work? I mean, cause I, I would suspect that you like most of us probably had some presumptions about the work that's being created out there. And I'm sure that you had some surprises uh, in store for you as a result of making such a concerted effort to find new and diverse work. I guess some surprises. I just was surprised at how hard sometimes it was to find these people. I did start a lot with sort of the old, old school photographers, Gordon Parks, PH Polk and, and, and some of the photographers that I had known, like uh, Lorna Simpson, Karen May Weems, some of photographers who sort of were also more artists than just strictly photographers. So I started off with them and then kind of tried to work through possible connections of theirs or friends of theirs. But, um, you know, the work, the work didn't necessarily surprise me in terms of content. You know, there were, there were some photographers that I found who were making work about their cultures, and there were some that, that weren't, that were just strictly out there doing their, their, their commercial thing or doing fashion thing. And, you know, it's really diverse across the board in terms of the content of their work. When I think about black photographers, I mean, you mentioned Gordon Parks and I think of also like Roy DeCarava and, and, and others. But for, for me, my experience, even before I started doing the show, that is, was that most, so let's say African-American photographers, the ones that I became aware of seemed to be primarily fine artists who were focusing primarily on issues of race. And that uh -huh. always kind of struck me as too narrow because just like any photographer, there's going to be a wide range of focus and subject matter, but it seemed to be that the more prominent ones seemed to be at least the ones who were recognized always seem to be focusing on race. And I'm wondering whether you, you found that same same thing as you started exploring. Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I've always sort of been of the school of thought that, you know, in order to, to shoot something, you should know it well. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've always thought that, for example, I just went to see the, um, the photo league exhibit at the Jewish museum here in New York and the photo league, were a group of photographers in the 30s and 40s, mostly Jewish, that was gathered around by Aaron Siskin. And they, at one point, they decided to produce um, a book called The Harlem Document. And uh, The Harlem Document was supposed to be sort of a survey of Harlem at that time. And they didn't really bother hiring any black photographers. And so they had a lot of these, you know, sort of Jewish white photographers. And they went out and a lot of them came back with different types of imagery but sort of what ended up in the book was this imagery that spoke to a prevalent stereotype of the time of Harlem being this crime-ridden neighborhood. And so a lot of sort of the more dignified images of daily black life were, were left out. And 
you know, Gordon Parks was, I believe, yeah, he was around at the time he was working for the Farm Security Administration, so he could have definitely been hired. But, you know, I'm of the school, again, going back to my point again, that, you know, yes, it's, you know, a little bit disappointing to, to find a black photographer that possibly just only does uh, work about uh, the black community. But at the same time, I found that those are probably the best people in terms of representing those communities. You know, I have found some people who um, are working on things that are completely not of their culture necessarily. There's a guy that I found in Brazil, Andre Francois, um, and he does sort of more conceptual-based work around sort of uh, landscapes. George Pitts, also, who's um, you know big photographer, photo editor, he's also um, head of photography at Parsons here in New York. He does a lot of portraiture work, mostly nudes of women. So, you know, there, there are definitely the exceptions out there. Yeah, and I think that's really one of the exciting things about your site is that I can go through there and just even just going through the first 10 people on your interview list, yeah. there's just an amazing selection of people and work to be discovered there. Yeah. How hard or easy is it for you to actually reach out to these people and get them to respond to your questions, to post them up on, on the site? Because I know I, I face some challenges in connecting with some people, and most times they're, are, they're pretty generous, but I'm kind of curious in terms of what your experience has been. I would say 90% of the time, people are really, really open and really willing to do it, um, which is surprising to me because, you know, here I am just sort of this lonely person you know, doing this blog and I'm not even necessarily at this point when I started the blog, I wasn't even within the photography industry full time. So um, I was really sort of um, surprised and, and heartened to, to see such a, a great positive response. Um, some people have said no. Some people do not want to be associated with, you know, uh, a media presence or an online publication that is strictly sort of based around issues for people of color. But I would say that just 90 percent of people say yes. Well, let's talk about your own personal journey as a as a photographer. When when did it start for you? It started in high school. Um, I my sophomore year of high school, I went to boarding school um, upstate New York. My sophomore year, I um, started taking black and white darkroom classes. And one of my house parents at the time sort of gave me my first camera, a Minolta X seven hundred, um, my first thirty five millimeter camera. So I was really excited, and it just sort of grew from there. I really loved darkroom work. And then I, once I graduated high school, I went on to college and I studied color photography there for three years. And that's really where sort of the passion photography came. Once I graduated college, I didn't find it that easy. And perhaps I didn't try hard enough either to become an actual photographer within the real world. But I've sort of come back to that now full circle. And right now you're, you're studying for your master's degree. Where, where are you studying now and what specific area of photography are you focusing on? I'm getting my master's in fine arts from uh, International Center for, for Photography. Bard College is the institution who accredits the program. And I'm focusing on fine art. And sort of I came into the program doing a lot of autobiographical documentary work on my own life. And then now I'm sort of exploring more conceptual, photoconceptual type so talk about that sort of transition from moving to from more personal work to conceptual because i i think a lot of photographers when they start out start out they focus on their their own lives obviously their families but from the work that i was seeing of yours you were doing some really fascinating work uh, in terms of just documenting your your own life but 
talk about but what you were doing and what was the impetus to start exploring other areas or genres of photography? Yeah, I started after I gave birth to my son in 2010, summertime. I was sort of homebound for a few months, both for just practical reasons, a new baby, you're breastfeeding all the time. It's really hard to sort of get out for more than a couple hours. Um, and I was just feeling really sort of isolated and, you know, not depressed as necessarily. It's just a time period after you give birth where you're just sort of really overwhelmed with this huge responsibility that you have as much as you love your child. So I sort of picked up the camera to get back to myself. I sort of felt like I had lost myself a little bit. So I started just documenting my sort of daily life with the baby and, you know, sort of camera, <laughs> camera in the left hand or baby in the left hand, camera in the right hand and juggling those two and just documenting little bits, little, you know, bits and parts of life, whether it's preparing his food or, you know, parts of our home. Like one of my favorite images is of our bed sheet that just got this huge tear in it after just many, many uses. And so that's how I sort of started the documentary work. And then as I started graduate school last September um, and sort of learning about conceptual work and how to work conceptually with, with the photograph and how to really push photography outside of just sort of the normal documentary indexical purposes I just became more and more interested in exploring other themes that I wanted to explore through constructing specific ideas that weren't necessarily documentary based. Well, with the stuff with your family, what was interesting was that you were, you were doing more than just the kind of snapshots that people could typically make when they have a child. You know, they want to capture those wonderful, cute moments. But the images that I saw, you were making some really beautiful, interesting images of some of the most mundane things. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the bed sheet. Right. Um, and I think there's a portrait of your husband, I think, that uh, yeah. is, is just a just a great uh, a great shot. So there's a sort of, sort of sophisticated nature to those photographs that, that elevates them beyond being a snapshot. And so I'm wondering how, you know, you're juggling your child and you're juggling family life, but maintaining that sort of focus on the aesthetics of the photograph in the midst of all that. I is definitely editing. I, I definitely shot a lot and, you know, sort of putting it together in the end to encapsulate the experience was a big editing process that involved other people besides myself, people with who are also photographers that I trust and admire their work. And then sort of while I'm shooting, I think it's, for me, it's just more instinctual. It's, it's more shooting from my gut because I, I'm not always, I don't always have access to the camera. So I, and I try to always be present, whether I'm with my family or with my friends, I try to, I'm not one of these photographers who's just always has their, the camera in their faces. So for me, it's more instinctual, whether I see a really nice piece of light coming in and um, on a, on a situation and I pick up the camera, it's, it's, it's definitely more from, from the heart and from the gut for me. So maybe, uh, hopefully that comes through in the imagery. And I think you were really in tune with how you were feeling at the time. So I suspect that being in tune with what was going on for yourself emotionally really informed how you edited the images. And, and that's why those images have as much impact as, as they have. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I shot those images probably over a course of just four months. And then I think I put them together 
I applied to the program fairly late, but I put them together probably around January, probably a couple of months later after I shot them. So, yeah, I think the feeling was definitely still fresh in my mind. So was that a body of work that you submitted when you applied for the program? Yes, I, I applied with the, this sort of postpartum work that I had done from home. And what was the reaction to the to the work? Did you ever hear back from any of the instructors or the people who were considering your work? Yeah, I actually presented that in my first critique in uh, in class. And I've, I presented that along with a few other projects that I had already done that semester, last semester. And out of everything, that, that work, the documentary work from home, really got the most praise. And I was surprised that both men and women alike were like, wow, I really understand what it feels like to have a baby. And... Mm. To, to be in that new baby experience. And I was like, I was really surprised when I heard the, the men say that. I sort of expected them to kind of like roll their eyes like, oh boy, here's, <laughs> here's some mommy photography again. But, you know, I think, I think like you said, the images sort of don't necessarily hold to that same sort of, I guess, what you would call uh, either a stereotype or a specific trope of motherhood photography that you see out there. I mean, I think that kind of imagery is very brave. I don't know whether or not I would be as upfront with my life and my own existence. And I always admire people who do. But do, did you feel a certain sense of vulnerability with sharing that, that kind of imagery and being so open with what was happening in your life, not just visually, but just emotionally? Oh, definitely. And, you know, sort of the portfolio process for graduate school was the first time I actually shared it with anybody. So I definitely felt like, you know, wow, am I showing too much? Or, you know, will anybody even care about this? Well, you know, is this even good? And I specifically when I was editing and when I was shooting, I, I tried not to really show much of my of my son's face in the imagery just because mm -hmm. I'm still sort of on the fence and I, I'm the same way about putting pictures of him on Facebook I'm really sort of on the fence about how much I want to share with uh, you know with the world of, of him right now you know that kind of work is, has that emotional resonance and I think he really spoke to that when referencing how people reacted to that in in class but you also mentioned you're trying to segue into more conceptual and yeah. from my experience sometimes that emotionality is sort of lacking in some of the work i mean it's, it seems like very left-brained where it's very sort of intellectual and there's sort of a this sort of disassociation between the life experience and a certain point or or a consideration that the photographer is trying to express are you sort of trying to bridge those two in a piece of work? Because I think conceptual is great because they're wonderful ideas. But, right. you know, I like a piece of work that makes me think, but also allows me to feel something. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to bridge that. You know, right now I'm taking a photo conceptualism class, um, learning about people like Vito Conchi and Bruce Nauman. And sometimes you get Adrian Piper thrown in there as well. And uh, but I think Adrian Piper is kind of one of those people who does who who did photo conceptualism really well because she was working from a specific idea, but she was also working for, working around social issues like racism and things like that. So there is not only is she's extremely smart and she's extremely left brain, but there is sort of more that you that other people can grasp. You can grasp as a viewer. So I, I'm definitely trying to bridge that gap because I still have this love for documentary work. Some of the ideas that I'm trying to work with right now are my father passed away last year and I never, I never got a chance to meet him in person. Um, I didn't grow up with him. So 
I'm kind of writing uh, letters to him through my photography work, sort of now that he's passed away, and also exploring with uh, writing, actual writing on, on the images. Not my own handwriting, but type writing in Croatian, which is, uh, he's Croatian, to him. So that's sort of one idea um, that I'm playing with. Tell me about the relationships that you're building with photographers, because you have a unique opportunity to network, not just with the students that are in the school with you, studying with you, mm-hmm. but people from you know North America, South America, Europe, Asia. And what does that add to your awareness and your your appreciation of photography as a result of being able to connect and dialogue with people like that? It just really just makes me so happy, honestly, because I, you know, I'm just sort of learning now about how the history of photography that we are taught came to be. And it was really sort of coming from Beaumont Newhall, who in the 30s was the director of MoMA. And he he wrote a a seminal text, A History of Photography. and, And it was just sort of his one opinion, which clearly was a valid opinion. But I think in that process, he left out so many voices and so many photographers who wouldn't necessarily have been prominent at that time, but they were certainly making work. It's really been just thrilling to find people all over the world who are working and they're still, they're still believing in photography, no matter how many, you know, digital cameras everybody owns now. And, you know, they're still believing in the power of the image. So it's, it's, it's just really great. It's, it's what I'm trying to do with the blog. It's just write, rewrite photography history and rewrite it to be inclusive of these people that have been left out. What are some of the um, responses that you've gotten over the years from people who've discovered and visit the blog? What do you hear people say? I've heard people say like, thank goodness. (laughs) Thank you so much. Like I've, I've had a lot of emails of just like joy and like relief and just, you know, People usually come to my site through search engines. So, you know, they're searching for a particular Japanese photographer or, you know, a photographer from Ethiopia. So it, I think, you know, they probably type in these crazy searches that they probably mm. think they won't yeah. find it. And then they actually come up to my blog. And I think there's just a relief for them. Just this week, I heard a conversation about the importance of of who do you focus on in terms of if you're trying to develop as a photographer? And the argument that I heard is that you really should only focus on what people are doing now. You can go ahead and draw inspiration from people who shot 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, but your primary focus should be on the photographers of today because no one is practicing the techniques that there were 30 or 40 years ago. Right. And I was, you're the first person I had a chance to sort of talk to about, about that. What's, what's your take on that argument? I mean, you still have painters who are focusing on, you know, painting um, schools from, from the past. And I feel like photography is, is just another art medium. And why can't we, you know, do some older processes, you know, if, especially if they're still around, if the technologies and the ability for us to do them is still around. I look at photography as, as an art form, and I don't think that we should necessarily abandon what came before us just because digital is just moving at light speed. I, you know, I think if something really speaks to you and, and, and the work definitely sometimes it calls for a specific type of photography. Um, so 
why if it's there and if it's available to you, why why not use it? I you know I, I try to keep current, but I don't I don't subscribe to to sort of this you know moving with the times thing. Yeah, you know, for me it seems there's such a focus on technique that yeah. it loses sight of the content of the imagery, and I think that what your site really helps to do it really shows what can be done with a camera that isn't just sort of par for the course. Mm -hmm. uh, the stuff that, you know, we see on your site or when we go to Enfoco or what I hope people discover with some of the photographers that appear on the show is the, it's this idea of look at the range of stuff that is being created, different subject matter, different techniques that it's just not the same old stuff. Because if you limit yourself to just the, the popular photo magazines, that is such a narrow perspective of what's being done with cameras that you really you lose you lose so much as a result yeah and i think you do a great job on kind of frame of just profiling you know, commercial photographers fine art photographers photojournalists and you know like i said the camera is a tool it can be used for many different things it doesn't have to be one particular type of image so what are you finding now as 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 a challenge as a photographer cuz i think Part of going back to school, it is a roller coaster ride. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are moments where you're riding high, and there are other moments where you, where you think, "What the hell am I doing here?" And you can doubt yourself. So, how do you how do you ride those waves? Particularly, raising a family and raising a small child. It, throw that in the mix, and <laughs> it's, it's a tsunami of emotion. I, I can I can imagine. It really is. It's I, I you know, I I thought I had no sleep when my son was born. I think I probably am getting less sleep now because, you know, once I put him to bed I, I then have to do reading or write an essay and a critical response to things and um or work on my own work. So it's it's been tough, but I do have a good support system. My mom and my husband really help out a lot. And so I think that that's probably the best best thing I could have ever had in my life. But then, you know, it's it's unique because at school, um, there are two other students with, in the class with me who are also mothers. So we're able to share our experiences together. Um, and I'm actually going to speak at a conference in Toronto in May about, um, we're going to speak about our experience as mother artists. There actually have been a few books out there that speaks to the same topic. One that just came out called The M Word, published, mm -hmm. by, published by Demeter Press. So, you know, it's definitely a challenge, but it can be done being a mother and an artist. And then, you know, yeah, sort of this confidence about your work is, is tough because, you know, you're, you've got several different teachers looking at your work. Each one has a different response. But at the end, it comes down to you. It comes down to, you know, sort of what, what you're trying to say with your work and what your, what your work means to you, what your core values are and how you put that into your work. And, it, it, you know, your emotions change every week for sure. So what are you hoping for it happens to your work once you finish school? I mean, you mentioned you're interested in sort of fine art, but have you thought about what your goals are in terms of what you want to happen with, with the work that you, you're producing now and in, and in the near future? Yes, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, part of the reason for going back to school was to be able to teach. I would love to teach on a university level, particularly would love to be able to develop a curriculum around the concept of dodge and burn. And then for my own personal work, I'm sort of looking at it as if I'm, I would handle a retirement portfolio, just sort of diversifying the ways that I can get the work out there, whether that be through a gallery or whether that be through group shows all over the world or 
um, you know, I would love to sort of have a career like Alfredo Jars, where he's able to both put his foot in the, the private gallery world as well as sort of the public art world. I'm looking at different things I can do right now. I'm taking a bookmaking class and, you know, the, the professor is really emphasizing how, and this has sort of been a, a recent phenomenon within the, within the photography world as well, how, how self-publishing can really help promote your work as well. So I'm definitely looking forward to producing some of my own books. And there's so many things that you can do out there, really, uh, online magazines as well I would love to do for Dodge and Burn. So stay tuned. <laughs> Most people think that the biggest challenge of photography is learning the technical. And I think that's sort of an ongoing process. You always yes. are in the process of learning. So for you at this point, what's what's the bigger challenge for you as a photographer that has nothing to do with the mechanics of the camera or, or the software that you're using? I think is thinking critically about my work and about other people's work. I'm very much interested in, in writing about photography as well, which is something that uh, stemmed from doing the blog, but sort of not just having this impulse just to pick up the camera, just for picking up the camera, you know, just having, having an idea in mind and really having something to say, because anybody at this point can pick up a camera and put themselves out there. So you know, really sort of developing my own voice is, is the challenge for me. Yeah, I can I can imagine that. Cause it's one thing to say you like an image or you don't like a picture, but being able to quantify what it is about an image that works beyond, you know, that it's well exposed, that it's sharp, that it's well composed, right. but being able to express an idea also in relationship to not just that image alone, but within the context of a body of work, not only now, but historically, that's not easy. And especially at, you know, at the level that you're at now uh, with your masters, I can imagine that that's, that can be a daunting task sometimes, especially with some instructors. Yeah. I mean, you, you see, you're, we're seeing a lot of work, you know, and we're seeing, it's really daunting when you have an idea and then you realize that someone did it 30 years ago, you know? And so it's, it can be daunting, but you know, I, I chose to go down this path and there was something in me that really wanted to do this. So I, I'm just going to stick with it. I think living in New York uh, is, is a wonderful opportunity because there's so many opportunities to see work, not only in the in the larger museums, but, all, but also the sort of smaller galleries. Yeah. What do you love about New York with respect to being a photographer? Like you said, just the different types of venues where you can see work. Um, I just went to, right now I'm interning with photographer and artist um, named Hank Willis Thomas, and I went to the Studio Museum in Harlem where he has a piece in the show that commemorating Romare Bearden's 100th anniversary, he was a painter. And, there, you know, within that show, there were so many different types of works and it was photography mixing in with other types of media. And, you know, then at the Metropolitan, there was a great new uh, photography show as well, where you have so many different types of people. You've got Lorna Simpson mixed in with other names. <laughs> I'm blanking on her right now. But that's a, that's a great show as well. Like, there are just so many different types of venues. There's And then within Brooklyn itself, there's been a lot of small sort of pop-up galleries that have come up. And then, of course, you've got the Chelsea scene, which is always full of photography. And it's sort of, 
it feels like no matter where you live in New York, you can find photography near you in very close proximity. Do you find yourself tapping into the communities that are out there? I mean, you mentioned Enfocor earlier, but there are a lot of different organizations or different collectives of photographers, both catering to people of, of color and, and those that don't. Do you find that they've played an important role in, in your growth as a photographer at all, or you just don't have the time or the means to be able to tap into them? No, they've, I've definitely have been able to, through the blog, develop a community, but also as well through other organizations. And FOCO has been great. Miriam, she's just amazing. She's, I think she's really created a great organization with Enfoco and I've, I've attended many of their events, their portfolio reviews and some of their classes in terms of putting your portfolio together. And they're one of the few organizations, photography organizations that don't try to rip you off and actually bring in people of quality to look at your work. So that's definitely been a great resource for me. Um, although I probably don't use it as much as I should. And I, I found online that I've definitely found a lot of people that I can sort of go to uh, specifically Flack Photo and Andy Adams, who runs that. He's got a couple of great Facebook pages um, around Flack Photo, and people seem to just flock to him like bees to honey. You know, I think there's some definitely some great, there's Humble Arts Foundation, which is a younger photography organization, and they're, they're definitely more interested in the, in the sort of the conceptual work that's out there, um, and they're trying to give a lot of emerging photographers some, you know, a leg up, um, there's Jen Beckman and what she's doing with her gallery and her photo program. So there's, there's a lot of different communities out there and lots of blogs, of course. You mentioned some, uh, some blogs or some websites you think that people should uh, check out. Actually, there's A.D. Coleman's blog. He is a longtime photography critic. Oh, very prolific. Yes. And, you know, whether you agree with him or not, I think he's, you know, it's impressive that he has got, he has had the career that he's had. And I love that he has this blog and he's been archiving all of his work. And his, his blog is the DLK collection. I look at uh, Elizabeth Avedon's blog. I look at the Daylight Daily blog. There is definitely the Prison Photography blog, which is run by Pete Brook. And there's a couple of other ones like the Lightwork blog and Sometimes I look at the Hey Hotshot blog, and um, there's Black Star Rising, which is a blog that I've done some writing for. Um, there's definitely quite a lot. And the a, a Curator blog and the Photo Editor blogs I've also really enjoyed in the past as well. Well, those are some great resources right there. My last question is to ask you, a photographer who you admire that you may have recently discovered or that you've long admired, and... I'm going to ask you to give me a suggestion for just one photographer, one photographer only. So who would that be and why? I would definitely recommend um, the Iranian photographer, Shirin Neshat. Um, she recently had an exhibit at the Gladstone Gallery in Chelsea. She has been around for a while, but um, and she's sort of developed this very strikingly visual style, focusing around Middle Eastern culture, uh, specifically women's politics within that culture. Her recent show at the Glanstone Gallery was called Book of Kings, and it focused on some of the youth that were participating in the recent Arab Spring that happened last year. So, you know, I feel like she's really giving a voice to her culture and her community. And she also just takes amazingly beautiful black and white portraits. She does also lots of film as well. 
And then she incorporates other types of media, like she'll do Arabic writing on top of her photographs. And she does it by herself, by hand. So I think just in terms of her tenacity and her vision, she's a great example. Well, where can people find more about you and everything that you're involved in? Definitely. You can check out Dodge and Burn at dodgeburn.blogspot.com. And my own work, my website should be refreshed in a couple of weeks, but um, it's at kianamestrich.com. That's Q-I-A-N-A-M-E-S-T-R-I-C-H.com. Well, thank you, Kiana. It was a pleasure to have a chance to, to talk to you again. Thank you so much. I really love you guys. Bye. The Candid Frame is supported by donations from people just like you. You can help support the work we do here by visiting the website at thecandidframe.com and contributing using PayPal. You can also support the show by writing a review in the iTunes Music Store or by adding a link to the podcast on your website or blog. The editor for this show is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is by Kevin McLeod. And this is Ibadian X, and this is The Candid Frame.